Listen, I'm telling you, I'm terribly excited about today's message. You know, when, when the Bible talks about they perish for a lack of wisdom, or, or people don't fulfill their destiny because of a lack of knowledge. Listen, that is the exact place that the enemy would have us to be. Everybody look at me, listen to me. The Bible is clear about how to walk in victory. The Bible is clear about how to overcome the enemy. If the enemy's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy, then we must believe that God is faithful in His Word when He says that Jesus came to give us life and life what? Abundantly. So if there are principles about, uh, that, that we can gain by knowledge and wisdom to help us to walk victorious in every area of our life, wouldn't it just be something? If everybody in the church just dug deep into their hearts and said, no more is the enemy going to steal from me. No more am I going to be uh, destroyed because of a lack of wisdom or a lack of knowledge. We live in a day where God wants to unleash himself upon the church in ways that we have never seen before. There are principles in God's word that when we enact these principles, something different happens in the heart of a believer. These are what I call the memberships or the benefits of membership. And the membership we have, Pastor Caleb so eloquently stated this morning in communion, that all of the stuff of the enemy, when Jesus is our Savior, it passes over us. And the blessings of God, they find us, whether we are aware of them or not. Oh, I'm really excited today. I want you to be excited to know that God has a plan and a destiny for your house. This is a family series. And this series on this, these messages on finance are to bring your house into the fullness of what God has in store for you. Isn't it interesting that one of the most maligned areas in the kingdom of God, in the church, the thing the world cracks on the church about is all of the preachers who are on TV and they're trying to raise money for this or extort money for that. And that's the picture that the enemy wants to give to people when the true picture is, is that God is a God who brings finances into our life. That God is a kingdom God who uses those finances as seed to do great things for the kingdom of God. Isn't it like the enemy to want to paint a picture of distortion of something that's so amazing that God has brought into our lives? Amen? Amen. Listen, why would the enemy work so hard to distort this area of finances? Why would he make it seem so hard and impossible to do? Because he knows just like salvation, when you get it, that you never turn back. He knows that when you operate under the principles of the word, that there's a peace that passes all understanding. He knows that if you find a place of contentment, that you will never turn back to the area that you once found your life to be in. He knows. He knows. And for me, these are the messages that paint a picture that shut his mouth. 
silences the mouth of the fool, silences the mouth of the enemy as he speaks these lies into your ears. Oh, that might work for them. That might be good for for him, but he doesn't know what our difficult times are. No, it works for everybody. It works for everybody. The kingdom keys work for everybody. This morning I'm excited because there's a, a, a friend of mine who has walked out her life under the principles of God and, and she has seen God bring provision to her in 101 different ways. And so I, I'm asking my friend this morning if she will come and I want her to give a testimony. Let's welcome my friend Donna Brown. Hallelujah. Come on, Donna. Donna's probably not aware of this, but I have used her faithful testimony so many times throughout the places that I travel because I know that God can take a widow's might and he can turn it into a miracle. Amen? How many of you would agree with me on that? That's why God talks about the widow's might. And so Donna... I want you just to share a little bit of how you came to, to understand the principles of God and what God has done in your life. It really starts in 1995 when I was in college and I had friends that were a different denomination than me, Pentecostal Holiness and Baptist and Methodist and all that kind of stuff, and I was Catholic. And so, and they tried to explain the concept of tithing to me and I was just like, Okay, whatever, you know, and then my friend said to me that it was an area, the only area in the Bible that says test me in it, and then it's okay, which again was another foreign concept to me, but I was like, okay, so I was sitting in church one day in the pew, and all I had on me was $4, and I was like, all right, well, God, if you're this is really real, and you do this, I will, here, this is $4, here you go, this is all I have for like a week, and, you know, went back to college, and life went on, and I didn't do it again, because I was waiting for God to prove himself, you know, that kind of thing, so, you know, anyway, so, and he did, in a major way, several months later, um, I had a debt that was forgiven, by a friend of mine that we had an apartment over the summer and you had to pay for an entire lease of the summer and I didn't have the money and they paid and I had to pay them back. So $4, I had $208 of a debt forgiven, which is 52% of the 30, 60, and 100 fold yes. that God says That's that he good. will pay you. That's good. So I have, Tied ever since then, since 1980, <laughs> to say the very least. And God showed up in a major way. So, you know. Um, I was also a single parent as well, you know, for a lot of years. And God showed up in major ways, but just not in monetary. It was milk that would last beyond the expiration date. It was gas in your gas tank that would last beyond the time that you needed Amen. to get the next tank of gas. And then in 2010, I met a wonderful man and we got married in 2011 and had our daughter Skylar in 2012. 
And then in 2013, God spoke to both John and I for our resources and for our house. He wanted us to send them to Liberty Christian Academy, a private school. Victor was on a different path, and we were obedient to that as well. So, you know, life went on from 2013. You know, it started with Isabella in the seventh grade, and then it went on to Nicholas in the seventh grade, and then Jen for in the seventh grade, and Skyler for kindergarten. So life was well. It was great. It, you know, bumps and everything else like that. But then in October of 2018, John lost his job. After 20 years, it was him and 10 other people. Just completely unexpected, but again, we weren't worried because John's, John's skill set and his career and everything else like that was wonderful. So, and John got a nice stuff rinse and we had emergency funds that we lived on and it was great. And we weren't worried of John getting another job. It wasn't a big deal. Then on December 9th, 2018, John suffered a massive stroke. And he should have died that night, but he didn't. And there went the idea of him getting another job. And then I stopped working. That was hard. The 2018-2019 school year was already taken care of, of course, because of emergency funds and, and severance and that kind of thing. But the 1920 school year wasn't set. And in May, I spoke to the administration. The administration asked me what we were going to do. And John and I decided that it was very important for Nicholas to finish his senior year at Liberty. And we were going to take the girls and enroll them in Reynoldsburg Public School, back to public school. And, but I, I questioned, does God's mind change when our circumstances changes? And I was like, it seemed to me that God's mind was changing from what he spoke to us in 2013. That that's what he wanted us to do with our resources. So... In July, I went to the Reynoldsburg Welcome Center to re-enroll the kids in school. And, but there was a lot of paperwork and a lot of documentation that was needed to re-enroll, and I just set it aside. And I said, I'll do, deal with it when I get back from our church camp that we go to. And that was on July 31st that I went to the Welcome Center and got all the paperwork and decided it was too much. The next day, on August 1st, I opened up my email with a email from the administration at Liberty informing me that they were offering Jen and Nicholas full scholarships to the school. So God does not change his mind when your circumstances changes no matter what. It doesn't matter when he speaks to you, you know, six years prior and says, this is what I want you to do. When a major incident happens, when your husband is taken down and you're out of work, it doesn't change. Amen. So no matter what, guys, seriously, if he spoke to you at all, hang on to it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, there, there are 
there are 20 other things that this faithful woman could tell about her testimony. You know, uh, I remember being a single mom, her making nine something an hour. But yet God provided an apartment. God provided all she needed. She had a car. She had everything. And at nine something an hour, she's still tithing to God. Amen. Donna's testimony reminds me of Acts chapter 10 in Cornelius. When Cornelius was, was just inquiring about God and God said, I have seen your alms. I have seen everything that you have stored up. And because of that, these are the things that become yours now. And so the reason I wanted Donna to give her testimony is because God is, she's known how to have a plenty and she's known how to be challenged with having nothing. But in all of those things, she has found a heart of contentment. And because of that, she continues to watch God provide for her. See, that's who God is. Come here, give me a hug. You did a great job. Didn't Donna do a great job with her testimony? Amen. She did a great job with that testimony. And so thank you, Donna. We've been waiting for years for you to come up and, and give your God's faithful uh, testimony to us. So listen, God is faithful in a hundred different ways. Uh, just last Sunday, after I started this finance series, I'd like to take my son-in-law's golfing each year. I failed the last year. Uh, but this year I was bound and determined that we were going to have a son-in-law golf outing. And so we were going to play Cumberland Trails. And uh, so I called Cumberland and just to find out, you know, how much this was going to set me back. And they said, oh, Sundays are 52 bucks. It's like, wait a minute, we paid 32 last week during the week. Yes, but Sundays are 52 bucks a person. Yeah, a person. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's all right. You know, I'm not going to worry about it. And so uh, I went in to, to pay, and I ran into a guy who used to be our next-door neighbor. He actually lived right behind us. I said, Sean, what are you doing here? He used to manage the dome uh, the, over on Hamilton Road, the golf place there. And he goes, hey, I'm working. This is where I'm at now. I'm, I'm working here at Cumberland. I said, that's awesome. I said, well, we got a 2.14 tea time. He goes, How, is it you and somebody else? I said, yeah, it's me and my son-in-law's. And so he said, just go out and pick two carts and tell the starter that, he, that uh, you talk to Sean. And so, you know, these are the things that you don't think about. 156 bucks because Caleb couldn't play this time. Uh, uh, but I'm sure he'll get me for the 52 later uh, in a golf outing somewhere. But 156 bucks that I was not expecting at all. My brother and I went to Phoenix uh, one time to uh, go see spring training because the Giants and the Dodgers are both there. And all week long, just stuff happened. We stayed at a Marriott that was just built, and little did we know that uh, one of the things was is that this was a week of festivities. And every day at lunch, they had four giant buffets that they had brought in to service the people and little parties. Uh, one of the days, this, the guy who owns it, his name is Bobby Fenbarb, he comes up and, and I just said to Greg, that's the owner, I'm just gonna go say hello to him. He goes, why would you go say hello to me? I don't know, I just wanna go say hello. He puts his pants on the same way I do. 
And so I went over, shook his hand, and, you know, he said, hey, you know, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, let me introduce you to my, my in-laws. And so we went over and met his in-laws. They spoke Spanish. And so I said, oh, where are you guys from? They said, we're from Cuba originally. Oh, really? What part of Cuba? Holguin. I've been there. No, you haven't. <laughs> so they now lived in Puerto Rico. The guy gets out his card and says, whenever you need anything in Puerto Rico, you call me, and I will be there for you. And so and then Bobby goes, well, hey, what are you guys doing here? Watching baseball, you know, the NCAA playoffs are here. And, oh, really? He goes, let me make a call for you. So he calls somebody and gets tickets for the NCAA regional basketball tournament that's there in, uh, in, in Phoenix. And so here's all these great meals. Here's all these tickets to games. And there were four or five other things that happened. And my brother says to me, he says, anytime we go anywhere, <laughs> this stuff happens to you. And I thought, you know what? It's the same as Joseph. Anytime Joseph went anywhere, God's blessings followed him, didn't it? Amen. And so why would I be any different than Joseph? Joseph goes into prison, and the first thing he does is gets a promotion in prison. How do you get a promotion in prison? And God puts him in charge. He gets to be in, in places to hear things to where he gets to interpret things, and then he gets to be the blessing for an entire nation. Why am I saying this stuff to you? So that you take me with you on vacation so you can get freebies? Well, it's not a bad idea. You should probably think about this. That every place that I am, God's blessings are there. Now, it's the same for Tammy and Millie and, and uh, just anyone who is, is, is walking in the principal faithfulness of God. When you honor God in the ways that he wants to be honored, then you're a walking blessing everywhere that you're at. It's not just so that somebody comes and dumps and deposits something to you. It's that what you get dumped and deposited is that now you have the opportunity to do something for somebody else. See, in God's kingdom, the opportunities don't come to just those who are wealthy, but they come to those who are wise. Yes. Listen to me. They don't come to just those who are wealthy. They come to those who are wise. What do I mean by that? When you put yourself in the principles of God and you begin to budget and manage your finances in the way the kingdom uh, uh, finances are meant to be rendered, you have the same or better access to other things than other people have. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, you know, it's well documented that, you know, over our career in ministry, that this is probably not going to be the place that I make my first couple million dollars, right? But does that change what I'm able to access because of my uh, position in the kingdom as a son of God, not as a pastor, but as a child of God? 
When you make the right choices financially and you make them over and over again, you start building not just an equity in heavenly places, but you begin to build an equity in earthly realms that enables you to participate in a financial system that only is seen that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. No, the, the, the wise get wiser. And they learn how to operate within the system to be able to take the resources of the world, pour them back into your life so that you can then pour them back into the kingdom. What do I mean by that? Well, when you do the right things over and over again, you begin to build equity in your, in your relationship, in your finances. So one day it was presented to, to me the opportunity that somebody wanted to flip a house. And, you know, when you looked at it uh, in, in the natural, you would think, where would I come up with the money making $30,000 a year to buy another house for $60,000 and be able to participate in the flippers world? Well, the reality was is that we had $90,000 equity in our home. Why? Because we were faithful. We started out in a trailer. Actually, we started out in a trailer, <laughs> did we? Yeah, we started out in an apartment in Briarcliff, and we moved. Uh, oh, in Athens. You want here? You want to tell this story? <laughs> we started out in a marital dorm in in Athens. As a matter of fact, our first apartment was so small that you could use the restroom and shave your legs in the, to in the bathtub at the same time. Now, I think they did that for students to help expedite the ability for them to be able to do their studies. But you have to start somewhere, right? And so then we moved into an apartment. Then we moved up, man. We moved up. We bought a $4,000 trailer. And we moved it out to a trailer, Ramsey's Trailer Park, out in Pataskala on 310. And baby, we were living high on the hog until one day uh, a cat crawled up under the insulation and ate a bunch of insulation and decided to die right underneath our trailer. It was the stinkiest thing we have ever experienced. Thank God for our neighbor. He was... Uh, he just said, hey, buddy, I think you got a dead animal up under there. And I said, I do too, Lewis. He goes, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know what to do. And he goes, you got to crawl up under there and get that thing. And I said, I ain't touching that thing. And so uh, Lewis did. He got a pole with a nail on the end of it, gigged that cat. It came flopping down. It was about this big around because it had been dead for a long time. <laughs> But we loved that trailer. And then I took that trailer and I sold it for $8,000. Doubled my money on this trailer. And then they were offering, how many of y'all remember first time home buyers money back in the, in the late 70s, early 80s? So we sat at a bank in Gehanna, camped out for 10 days. I would camp out at night, and when it was time to go to work in the morning, Tammy would relieve me and sit there all day. And as soon as I got done at Rockwell, I came back, and we got a whopping 10.99% loan. 
but it was 13.79% at that time. So we bought a house in Reynoldsburg for 49. We bought a house in Groveport for 68. And every time we did this, we bought and sold our own homes. Why? Because you can do it. With God, all things are possible. And so why am I saying this? Because a series of great decisions enables you to play in the same financial field that others play in that have three times your amount of money. How did we get that? Right here. It all came from right here. It all came in the Bible. Last week we talked about, and I'm going to have to really hurry, okay? Because this is the second session of our finance seminar that we started last week. And I've got a lot of stuff this morning. I'm just going to not lie to you. I'm going to tell you right up front, you're not going to get out of here till 12 o'clock, okay? But it's going to be the best investment you've ever made. Okay, so hang in there with me. Because I want to give you the wisdom to make you more than an overcomer. I want to give you the wisdom to make you a champion. I want to give you the wisdom, especially you young couples over there looking all starry and cheery-eyed. I want to help you to not make the mistakes that most young couples make in, in burying themselves in debt and not paying themselves first. And so I want you to understand, first of all, number one, last week, we are not owners, okay? We are not owners of our finances. Psalm 24 says God owns everything. Second, we have to become a steward of what God has entrusted us with, Luke 16, 10. The third thing about finances is is we have to find a place of contentment. If you do not find a place of contentment, There will never be enough money for you anywhere in the world. Okay? Listen, if you're not tithing like Donna at nine bucks an hour, if you're not tithing your last four dollars when God gives you a revelation, then you will never tithe when you have $900,000. You will have another reason why you can't do that. And you will always put your flesh first. When you put God's principles first and realize you're not an owner, become a steward and find a place of contentment, you find something inside of God's practices and principles that changes your whole perspective. And so how do we do that? How do we get to the place to where we can do that? Well, first of all, we, we have to understand that there are expressed principles in the Word of God that show us what we need to do, that help us to avoid traps and pitfalls, okay? And so, but in order to, to, to get to that place of looking for the traps and pitfalls, when you use a, a worldly term like budgeting, how does that equate to the world? Or how does that equate to the kingdom? Does God want us to be monitoring our finances? And the, question, or the answer to that is yes. Let's look at Luke 14 uh, up here on, on the screen. Luke 14, uh, 25. And a large crowd was following to Jesus, and he turned and said to them, he said, if you want to be my disciple, okay, here's the deal. If you want to be my what? My disciple. How many? We did a whole series on discipleship, right? And so disciples are the disciplined followers of Christ correct? 
Okay, so if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. Keep going. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Point number one is this, is that budgeting is painful to your flesh. I want to put out a disclaimer right at the beginning of this message. When you begin to operate your life on a budget, it is painful to your flesh. But if you can overcome your flesh, the peace that you have from budgeting will so overcome what you had to go through to strip your flesh that you will be amazed at what will happen in your life. Uh, but don't begin until you what? Count the cost. Don't become a disciple until you count the cost, okay? Don't become a homeowner until you count the cost. Don't become, uh, don't go buy a new vehicle until you count the cost. Don't spend money until you count the cost. This is all Jesus is saying. You've got to understand and have a concept of counting the cost. Uh, uh, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? What are you calculating in your family? You're calculating your family's ability to live on the resources that God has provided you. I don't care if Todd has more resource than I do. We have access to the same God. And my resources that God has given me will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So will Todd's, so will Duncan's, and so will Phil's. It's not about the amount of your provision. It's about what you do with that provision and whose hands you put it in. you got to count the cost. Who would construct anything without counting the cost? Well, most people do. Most people construct their family finances. We know last week we said 67% of Americans do not operate their finances on a budget. That's 67% of people who are not covered by the greatest insurance plan that man ever, ever could purchase. And that's the covering of God. Amen. So, otherwise you might complete only the foundation before you run out of money. How many people purchase things and they get to the end of the week and there's not enough there to cover what they have purchased? How many people get to the end of the month and they look at their checkbook and they say, ah, forget it. We're going out to eat anyway. Why? Because we can use someone else's money temporarily. Whose? Visa. What's Visa doing? They're offering you temporary restraint or, or temporary satisfaction of your flesh for 21.78%. So what, what's going to happen when the Visa bill comes? The majority of people we found out last week pay the minimum. How many years will it take to pay off the minimum when you use your visa? A long time. Why? Because they make 21.78%. Isn't there a better method? Yes. The method is you pay yourself, you save your money, and when you go out to eat and you look at what you have, you might decide to go to Wendy's instead of Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> 
And you know what? There is nothing wrong than a four for, with a four for four. Brother, when I rock the four for four, I get the double stack. I get the nuggets with sweet and sour sauce. I get those dreamy fries and I get a Diet Coke and I drink as much Diet Coke as I can to put them out of business. I go back and fill it again. I go back and fill it again. I go back and fill it again. And when I leave, I throw out all the ice and I fill it again. Why? Because that's what they're offering me. That's what they offer me. I'm not taking advantage of anything. I'm just getting what they offer. But if I use my credit card, it's much easier to pay 75 bucks at Cheesecake Factory because it doesn't come out of my pocket. Do you agree? You, you, really, you really don't agree with that? That it's easier to go to Cheesecake Factory on Visa than it is to go to Wendy's and pay four bucks? Well, if you don't agree with that, you're delusional. Okay? It's easier to buy more expensive things on credit than it is to buy them on cash. Would you agree with me? Okay, now, now hang with me here. I, I walked out of here last week wondering if anybody loved me. That, and I, I'm pretty sure after I walk out this week, ain't nobody going to love me. But you know what? That's okay. I want you to be victorious. Okay? So, otherwise you might complete the foundation before running out of money. And then what happens? What was that? Everybody laughs at you. Why? Why? Because you, 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 you did something financially and you weren't prepared for all the results. And so everybody laughs at you. Okay, now, when we, we, we establish the fact that God wants us to budget, then we have to understand James 1.5. James 1.5 says this. It says in James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That there is a wisdom that God has that when we confer with him first, then the protection begins in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Out of the, out of the fullness of what's in a man's heart, his life is lived out of. And so we need to live with God at the core of our heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And, and seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When you seek God, he will show you which path to take. Go to Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6 says this, My people are destroyed because they don't know me. In other words, in, a, in the New King James, it says, my, my people are, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and wisdom. Okay? My people are destroyed because they don't know me. All right? So when we get into this principle and practice of setting forth good financial uh, principles, we, we have to understand that God is in the business of doing it his way and giving us the blessing because that's who he is. He wants to bless us. So when we turn our thoughts into how do we do this thing God's way? 
How do we create a, a, a budget when we've never been taught that way? How do we do things that are going to bring us the most fulfillment? Well, I want to simplify the process, okay? You're going to learn a process that I call 10-10-80. We first taught our daughters a, a principle I call 10-40-50, okay? So when our children earned a dollar, not when we gave them a dollar, nobody is handing out dollars. Nobody is, is, you don't go to work and they say, Kim, you're so wonderful. Here's the 15 bucks an hour that we promised you. And here's another hundred bucks because we just like you. Nobody's handing out freebies. Okay, so when you have children, teach them the value of work. And when they work, then you give them a resource. And so I said to Allison, Allison, you've earned a dollar this week. And we paid them in 10 dimes because we, we were teaching them kingdom principles on the first dollar they earned. Allison, this dime is God's. When you come to church with mommy and daddy on Sunday, you're going to take that dime and you, when they pass the plate, you're going to put your dime in. We're going to put our dollars in. And as a family, we're going we're to give God his money. And then we say, Allison, these four dimes are yours because you earned them. So you take those four dimes, and if you want to buy a sucker, if you want to buy whatever you want to buy, it's up to you. You buy whatever you want. And Allison, these five dimes are an investment for your future. And you're going to take these five dimes, and you're going to save them. And so what we did at that time is Household Bank had this program for children they called Banker Bears. And so what we taught them was, is when you save your money, at that time we were probably getting 5 or 6% on savings accounts, and I said, what's going to happen is, is that you're, you're going to put that money in, and after a month they're going to give you another dime free. That's interest. And what they're also doing is they're giving you 50 Banker Bears, and they gave them a little... Uh, table or chart that said if you save uh, 500 banker bears you can get these fun little trinkets and so as soon as the kids would save up their money they would look at that banker bears chart realize they had enough money and then when they would get the trinket I would sit them down and say do you realize what just happened here the value of your 50 cents just skyrocketed you didn't have to buy that $5 trinket they gave you because you earned it through your interest. Your interest in your money, your interest in what they had to offer you. Why is that different than a 401k? How is that any different than a 401k? That's the adult banker bears. Okay, so let's take a peek now at uh, 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 some, some budgeting aspects that are kingdom principles, okay? These are kingdom principles. Principle number one when you, that you need to consider when you are fashioning a budget is you need to avoid speculation. Avoid speculation. In other words, when somebody comes to your door and knocks on your door and offers you a product that you had no interest in before they came, tell them to go away. 
but we're going to do this for you. We're going to do that for you. I don't need this and I don't need that. And when I do, I will come to you. Okay, Proverbs uh, 23 says this. It says to avoid speculation, it says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Be wise enough to know when somebody's offering you that something that's too good to be true. You need to shut the door on it. Ain't nobody given anything away. Everything that is worth it is earned. Okay, keep going. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears. In other words, that thing when you don't have a budget, this is what happens. When you don't have a budget, every dollar that you have has an escape route. Uh, and there ain't angel wings either. <laughs> Betty said, yeah, they got wings. They ain't angel wings. When you don't have a budget, every dollar that you have can, can escape your control. Why? Because when these things arise and you got 10 bucks in your pocket and somebody tells you you can make 100, you don't have any problem taking that $10 out and investing it in something that's not gonna give you a return because you didn't have a predetermined place for those $10. Do you understand what I'm saying? So in the blink of an eye, wealth disappears for it sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle. So the first thing you have to understand is if you don't know where every dime of your money is going, then every dime is subject to just leave at any time for any purpose. Keep your finances current. Number two, do, don't, don't do anything to jeopardize your financial freedom. This includes purchases and investments. Listen, if you're depending on a raise to purchase what you're trying to buy right now, then you're already stripping your raise for its intended purpose. Your raises are to put you in a better financial position. They're not to be future things that you hope will give you the power to invest and purchase something else. When you have a budget, you take your raises and you put them within the parameters and everything that you're then able to do increases exponentially. If you're taking your raise to pay off things that you think you need at that one time, then you've already stripped your raise from its earning power. Number three is this. Give rather, or give rather than lend to the needs of somebody else. We said that the borrower is subject to the lender. So if you're lending, especially friends, money, trying to think you're going to get interest back on your friends, you're going to destroy relationships. If you give money to a friend thinking that you're ever going to give it, get it back, you're going to destroy the inner core of who you are. You have to give money at the idea of never being repaid for it. Now, that's not to say that you don't say to people that, look, when you get square, I would like this money back. But if they never give it back to you, you have to be square with that. That's a kingdom principle. Now, we talked about this last week. Avoid co-signing. Avoid co-signing for anyone on a loan or credit application. You are agreeing to become, listen, totally liable for the debt 
should the primary borrower not be able to repay. Also, you not made, you are encouraging someone to borrow beyond his ability to be able to repay. If they already can't get the loan, that usually means they can't afford it. And then when you co-sign for something they can't afford, you're on the line for that. Let's look at what Proverbs 22 has to say. Don't, guarantee, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else because if you can't, if you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. In other words, you're the one that's on the hook for that loan. You think they're on the hook for it? No, no, no. No, no, no. They couldn't afford it in the first place. They only gave them the loan because you got good credit. They didn't give it to them. So guess whose loan it is? It's yours. Congratulations. You own a $4,000 aqua fish tank that holds lizards. And you wouldn't touch a lizard if your life depended on it. But now that aqua lizard tank is yours. You own it. The other person couldn't get the loan. You okayed it because you had the credit and co-signed for it. So that's your loan. Elevate your purchases based on needs, not on wants and desires. This is often, not often, this is very difficult. Okay? But 1 Timothy 6 says this. Yet true godliness with contentment itself is what? Great wealth. Gosh, the Bible's so smart. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Verse 8 says, so if you have enough food and clothing, let, let's be content. Okay, let's be content. Let's not work at that. Next principle is this, and this is one I love. Never make a financial decision under pressure or in a hurry. Let's see what First Peter, or Second Peter has to say. And knowledge with self-control, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness. What does that mean? It means when you are sitting at the furniture dealership, and the guy says it's 0% interest today with no money down, but tomorrow that deal is no good for you, and you feel like, wow, do we really need this furniture? Get up and leave. Get up and leave. It, if that deal's only good for 24 hours, then just get out. Say, hey, thanks. Well, wait a minute. Now, thanks. Because tomorrow, if you go back to that place, 48 or two days later, you go back and offer them the same deal, I guarantee you they'll take it. Don't be pressured into something. Oh, that deal's only good for today. Well, good. Well, that deal's not for me because I don't do things that way. I can't tell you how many places Tammy and I have walked out of. As a matter of fact, there's a point in time where Tammy doesn't like to do finances with me because it can be a little frictional. <laughs> That's my new word for today. It can be a little frictional. But nobody is going to con me into buying something at the deal that I don't want. Here's the deal. Look, I used to go into Kmart and ask for 10% off the blue light special. It's okay. All they can say is no. But you know what? Most times people shake their head. They look at me and say, wow, I've never had anybody ask me that, but okay. 
You know, I go in to get a hotel room and they'll say, I'll say, hey, listen, man, I need a hotel room for 79 bucks. They say, are you AAA, ARP? I'm saying, I'm whatever you need me to be. <laughs> whatever you want me to be, I'm, I'm your man. Because I need a room for 69 bucks. We went to San Antonio and stayed in the Davy Jones Resort right on the, the plaza. Davy Crockett, yeah, not Davy Jones. He's a whole nother war. <laughs> The Davy Crockett, and we stayed at this killer place. I got two rooms, even a room for a friend and his wife. 69 bucks for three nights. 69 bucks each night. But these are like $179 rooms. And, you know, there, we noticed the parking lot was empty. So you can either keep the room empty or give it to me for 70 bucks. Your choice. If he'd have said no, I'd have walked out and went to the next place. But you would be surprised how many people are like, okay, I guess. So you, you have to understand, never make a decision in a hurry. And the last one is this. If you don't have peace, don't buy it. Early in your marriage, set a limit. This is where you're an individual, but yet you're a team. Tammy and I's limit was 50 bucks. We could not spend anything more than 50 bucks without consulting. And you couldn't spend 50 bucks five times and then consult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, if it was over 50 bucks, see, we didn't want to strip each other's individuality. And we didn't want to say that we didn't trust each other. It wasn't about that, but if the purchase was $51, we're going to confer on it. Why? Because we want to make sure it's the right thing. We want to make sure we're in 100% agreement. If Tammy's not in 100% agreement for me to buy the Mickey Mantle rookie card, then I don't buy the Mickey Mantle rookie card. I wish I had a Mickey Mantle rookie card, don't I, Eloise? That would be a good thing to have. But relationally, see, we're talking about family. Family. We're talking about family. When you're going to do something as a family, you work out the budget together. Together you do things. So many male-dominated homes, the male wants to tell the female what's going to happen, what's going to be up. It don't work that way anymore, guys. Those, those days ended, or, or ended with uh, the Brady Bunch, okay? Those, those days are over. Listen, together you work things out. Take a finance course together. Choose a financial advisor together. Face the elephant in the room together. One of you outspends the other one all the time. Face the elephant in the room, but do it together, okay? Proverbs 13, 11 talks about slow growth is what builds something. We talk about Rome wasn't built in a night, neither is your million-dollar retirement. It's not going to be built in a night, but you can build it, okay? Don't, if you don't have peace, don't buy it, okay? Uh, perhaps God has a different alternative in mind. What's the, Psalm 37 say? Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Hey, let me just give you a little tip. If you want to double your money, fold it over and put it in your pocket. <laughs> Simple as that. 
If you want to double your money, hey, Amy, I got to, if you give me your dollar, I can double your money. Really? Really? Uh, you going to sell me scratch-offs, lottery tickets? What are you going to do? How are you going to double my money? So, my friend, if you want to double your money, fold it over. Put it right in your pocket, okay? Now, this is what I want to do for the last couple minutes, okay? I want to put up a pseudo-budget because most people would say, I, I, I don't really know how to budget. If I knew how to budget, I'd, I'd do it. But 67% of people are not doing it, okay? Now, this budget is a 10-10-80 principle. 10-10-80. The first 10 goes to God, okay? The first 10 goes to God. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 3 real quickly. You might already be there. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. We work hard for our money and the things we're producing. But what we want to do first is take what God has blessed us with in our production and we want to give it back to God. Honor the Lord with your, your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then what will happen? Everybody say then. then. He, will. he will. Fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Give to God the best part of your production. In other words, the first part. If you wait till the grain is old and then you scrape off the stuff that's in the bottom to give, then it's probably got a little bit of moisture and mold and it's not as good as the grain that's on the very top. It might not be as useful. See, you might only get 50% of the moldy grain to be clean in order to do what it needs to do to feed or to, to reproduce or to, to plant again. That's why the Bible always says, give God first. Give God first. Turn with me, if you would, to Malachi. I might have this up there. Malachi 3, 6 says, I'm the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask. How can we return when we have never gone away? Should uh, people cheat God? Yet you cheated me. You cheated me in the tithes and offerings that were due to me. When we're in the idea of what do we do first? We take the thing that God has blessed us with and we immediately return a portion back to Him. And so... This is a sample budget, sample percentages that I've used. We're going to assume the first column is if you bring home four grand. The second column is if you bring home three grand. Let me tell you something about budgets. Budgets are per what you dictate them to be. You might want to spend 14% uh, on food a month because you're culinary and you like to eat. And so if you want to spend 14% on food, then that only leaves you 8% for maybe transportation. 
Whatever you spend more of in one category, it has to come out of another category because you only have 100% of what you bring home. Unless, unless you operate in the, the parameters of debt. So the first thing that we want to do in our 10-10-80 is, is that we want to tithe, okay? We want to give God what's rightfully His. I love what my wife does is that we get paid on Mondays. And we don't, we don't get our, give our tithe check until Sunday. But most Mondays when Tammy's doing all of the banking, you notice I said when Tammy's doing all of the banking, Okay, we do the budget together, but my strong suit is not paying the bills. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. If it was up to me to pay the bills, most of them would probably be late because I'm not good at that. But Tammy is fantastic at it. She has a chart with four weeks and the fifth week. When there's five paychecks, she's got a chart that we're 